You're listening to The Haunting Hour, where we explore the terrifying tales of real-life experiences with the supernatural, spooky urban legends, and audio terror stories from yours truly. So prepare yourselves, friends. Let us begin our journey into madness. Welcome, friends. Today is another episode of The Haunting Hour. I will be your host, Crystal Grayson. And today we're going to go back into part two of My Family is Falling Apart. We're going to go ahead and go through this series. And as soon as this story's over, we're going to go into an episode about the black-eyed children, among other horror legends. So, without further ado, part two of My Family is Falling Apart. Karis is all smiles as she rushes up to the car. The crossing guard calls out for her to slow down, but she's already at the passenger door. I wave and mouth, sorry, to the portly scowling woman. She nods curtly, red-faced, and then turns back to her duties, guiding the others across. Daddy! She gushes as she hops in the front seat. Her bag gets tossed and she reaches for her seatbelt. Let's go home. I want to play VR. I laugh at her eagerness. I'm ready to celebrate too. It's the end of another long workday. Less than 10 minutes later, we're home dropping our things by the front door. That's future us's problem. I adjust the visor and goggles to her small head and then step back, knowing that she's about to tear up the room on Beat Saber. I shake my head as she starts her latest pop-up session, really getting into the dance moves. Girl's got some moves, just like her mama. Then I think about that and frown. I silently send out a warning to any and all potential suitors with a death threat so vile, Fidel Castro would cringe at its savagery. I used to feel that way about anyone that looked at Jenna when she rocked Dance Dance Revolution at the mall arcade. (laughs) Man, those were the days. After dinner, I tell Karis to go brush her teeth and change into her jammies. I've avoided it all day. But it's time for a chat. I know it's probably normal, so I make a mental note to not be overly serious, but enough that I get my point across. No one ever tells you about this part of divorce, the ugly parts where you have to accept and understand how your child processes the inevitable change. I'm ready for my story, Daddy, she calls from her room down the hall. Karis, stop it, I snap. Her green eyes are brimming with tears as she shakes her head at me. No, mommy was there in class with me. No one else saw her, but she was there. I let out a long sigh, squeezing the bridge of my nose and closing my eyes. I thought for sure This would play out way easier in real life. How naive of me. 
I really want to be an adult about it, but in the end, my tiredness wins. I try a different approach, a more human one. Honey, I know today was tough and we're going to have a lot of those, but I need you to be honest with me right now. Was mommy really there or did you just pretend like she was there? Her chin raises and she squares up to me. I am not a liar liar pants on fire, daddy. She crosses her arms in a huff and turns toward the wall, her little jaw trembling but held firm. I have to stifle a laugh by moving my hand over my mouth. The only time she gets this worked up is when she believes in what she's saying. This is her truth, and while I don't believe that her mom was actually there, I know that Karis believes it. After a few moments, I speak carefully. Sometimes, when we get upset, we see things, things that aren't really there. Her shoulders stiffen and she won't look at me, but I sense a hesitance. Daddy, mommy was there. Her words were so soft, they came out a whisper. Why won't you believe me? I saw her. Little droplets spill down her face as she presses her eyes together. I wince as she starts ugly crying, the kind that sends her whole body into shakes and snot dripping down her mouth and chin. I say, running my fingers across her back. I stand briefly, grab the box of tissues from her desk, and then offer them to her. She grabs a handful and blows noisily into them. I swear, she says between sniffles, I'm not making it up. I don't know why, but no one else could see her but me. The last sentence seems to calm her, and she relaxes, finally able to get it all out. Poor girl. I continue to massage her back as she lays down beneath the covers. I draw them up to her chin and then tuck in the sides, cocooning her the way she likes it. I massage her back until her breathing comes out heavy. I stroke her hair and then bend down and kiss her forehead. I love you, bunny, I whisper. She still smells like she did as a baby, that faint hint of baby powder and lotions and some unknown floral scent that has stuck with her for years. It's that scent of youth, indescribable yet everyone knows what you mean. I'm in bed when I hear the sound. The TV is up loud, so I tap the mute button and listen. The only sound is the wind outside rustling the grass next to my window. There's a few creaks and pops, the house bending in the unforgiving September winds. I exhale and press the button. I jump as the movie blares into my room and I quickly turn it down. Apparently, I've been listening to it much louder than I thought. The main character is jumping into oncoming traffic 
guns and car horns blaring. Finally, some action. I'm tensing and balling my hands into fists as the bad guys squeal next to the detective Peterson. You got this, I scream mentally. He makes a quick decision and he's down a dark alleyway. The bad guys zoom past, losing him. Yes, I think, pounding my hands on the comforter. The detective gets out of his car and makes a call to the local PD. He's one of those traditional grizzled types, weathered from a career of seeing way too much humanity's bad side. He lights up a cigarette and exhales a large puff of smoke when I hear something again. It's almost perfectly timed to the scraping noise the detective hears in the dark alley. This is no movie sound. It's here, in my home. It sounds closer this time, and I can make out new details. Before it sounded like tapping or crinkling. Sometimes Kara sneaks out of bed for a cookie or some chips. My room is located right across from the kitchen and living room, so I've almost always caught her. The back door is attached to the breakfast area, it's a design for parents to be able and keep an eye on their children in the backyard while they cook. We haven't gotten a puppy yet, but there is a dog door installed. Recently, Karis has been asking for a dog and admittedly, I would welcome anything to keep me company, especially tonight. I frown as I hear it again. It's a wet noise, like dripping onto my tile floors. Annoyed, I pause the movie. The sound stops. I'm probably just tired, I reason. It's the wind, or maybe it's starting to rain outside. A couple of beats pass, and I'm starting to doubt myself again, when there is suddenly a few more droplets, and then it's pouring rain. It's nearly three in the morning when my phone goes off. I jump at the invasive jingle. Light spills into the room, bathing everything in a dull green hue. I know it's a text. I've disabled all of my email alerts and all the other crap alerts that come with apps these days. It was a text or a voicemail, and since the ringtone never went off, I know it has to be the former. There's only one person that would be texting me this late. A lump in my throat forms as I reach for the phone. It jingles a few more times and vibrates in my hand. What on earth, I wonder? I stare at the name on my phone, shaking as I swipe at the lock screen. It's her. I stare up at the repeated message as it continues to fill the message screen over and over and over I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm daddy I let out a howl and the phone drops from my hands onto the floor it makes a loud clack and then slides to the wall under my window Karis jumps and screams Scared and confused at my outburst, she pauses as I quiet and then bawls. 
sigh in relief. Oh, Karis, honey, I'm sorry. You scared daddy, that's all. She continues to cry but walks toward my bed. I'm scared, she moans. There was a monster in my room. I pat the bed and wave her over. Now, baby, there's no such thing as monsters. She cries harder and wails. There is so, and it was in my room. She's almost as hysterical as she was when I yelled. I look at the bright red lights on my alarm clock. 2.45 a.m. At this point, it's best to just let her sleep in here or neither of us will get a wink of sleep. All right, all right, I say gruffly. Come on then. She pulls herself onto the bed and dives beneath the covers. Karis's tears dry up instantly in that annoying ability that all kids tend to have when they get their way. I shake my head as I get out of bed and scoop my phone up from the floor. The jingling has stopped, but the message has not changed. Just a few more of the same thing. I'm sorry. I'm not sure how to respond. Is she sending this out of guilt? It was the same thing she has said last night before she left. Is she apologizing for missing Karis's first day? That has to be it. Jenna probably just got off her shift and sent a message in a dead zone. Sometimes it takes a while for a message to send, so it stores it until you hit an area with signal. It probably just sent a bunch after an attempt to send it the first time it didn't go through. My gut reaction is to attack her. Ask her what she was thinking, not even bothering to send me a text, or at least call. Even if she had to work overtime, she could have let me know something. I take a few breaths, steadying myself. Okay, no. Maybe something happened. Jenna isn't the sort to make up excuses, and that is one thing I know for sure. Finally, I send, is everything okay? I expect the response to come later, but one comes immediately. Come find me. I stare at the message for a while. Is she standing outside of the house? I sneak out of bed and look down at Karis. She's fast asleep, her head tilted back and mouth hanging open. I'm not sure what's going on, but I know it has to be serious, since Jen is at my house at three in the morning. Not that her being awake at this hour is odd, just that she's here. She normally waits until at least six to call her message. I slip out of my room and turn towards the front door. I grip my sides as I walk across the cool tiles. The rain really dropped the temperature outside. My teeth are chattering as I pull on the front door. My feet touch the cold porch and I'm tempted to go back inside. It's absolutely freezing. When did it get this cold? I walk down the covered path and turn to the driveway. Her car isn't here. I look up and down the street to see if maybe she parked further down. 
the only thing visible on the street is the street light three houses down. The wind picks up and I shiver, running my hands up and down my arms. My body is shaking uncontrollably. I'm not sure if it's from the cold or the sudden urge to run back inside and lock the door. My phone goes off again in my pocket. It sounds small and thin in the approaching storm. Confused, I pull it from my pocket. Again, the same message repeats over and over again. Come find me. A scream fills the house. The blood drains from my face as I spin on my heels and charge through the front door. It's Karis. I know that scream anywhere. It's the same one she does when she falls or hurts herself. I'm nearly to my room when the shadows bend towards the back window into the living room. They jerk, twist upward and tower over me. I stare into the dark swirl in awe. Not shadows, I realize. It's more of an ooze. A moment of insanity takes a hold of me and I reach out, extending my fingers. I should run. I should scream. But what good would that do? If I'm going to die, I want to know if it's really here. Maybe this is a dream, I convince myself. Some sort of vision my brain has concocted from the film earlier. I frown. No, that can't be right because there was nothing like it. Only people. This isn't a person. I take one step, then another. It's staring at me. I say stare, not because it has eyes, but because I can feel it. I know it's looking at me. It's crazy, I realize, but it's the only way I can describe what I'm sensing. I'm less than five feet from it, maybe less, and it's taller than I realized. It's nearly to my ceiling. I stop as a streak of white lightning streams across it and branches in several directions. It almost reminds me of lightning, I murmur out loud. It lurches from me, diving toward the back door. My voice must have startled it. I hear the dog door crash open and the thing pushes its way through. It makes the same sound that a bathtub does when the last of the water drains out. Almost a suction sort of noise. I want to move, but I can't. I'm shaking all over. I want to say that I'm in complete control. And somehow I convince myself that I'm simply tired. That the noises are the rain outside. And what I saw is the result of stress and sleep deprivation. Deep down, I know this is a lie. A smaller scream comes from the room, more of a scared whimper. Karis! My feet finally cooperate and I'm in my room. Karis is pressed against the headboard, the covers drawn all the way up to her chin. Her eyes are bulging, stuck wide open. I flick on the light and scan the room. 
whatever that thing was has left, but it's not going to stop me from searching the entire room. Now gaining some courage, I drop to my belly and scan under the bed. If there was something here before, it's gone now. I know it to be true. Whatever it was left earlier through the back door. I stand and look down at Karis. My voice comes out heavy, tired. Was that the one? She blinks at me a few times, her eyebrows pressed together in confusion. What do you mean, Daddy? She whispers. Was that the monster in your room? A heavy silence fills the room and Karis's lips quiver. Her teeth start to chatter. Suddenly, I don't want to know the answer. I just want to lie in bed and close my eyes. I want to dream of simpler times when it was Jenna, Karis, and me against the entire world. I want to forget that any of this has happened. I glance at my phone and check my messages again. I frown at the phone, close my messages, and then reopen them. I try it once again, and then a third time, before finally closing them for good. The messages from when I was outside are gone. All of them except a single one. I'm sorry. I realize that maybe it's best if we just call it a night. We were both upset, and the storm caused the sounds, I reason. Tricks from the lightning outside maybe had created a shadow. Yeah, that was probably it. I reach over and switch on the lamp. Then I walk to the other side of the room and turn off the overhead light. Karis hasn't answered, but she's watching my every move. I curl up next to her and pull her into my arms. She rests her head between my chest and shoulders. I can tell the exact moment when she falls asleep. Karis's breathing deepens and her body goes limp. I stare up at the ceiling hoping, praying that all of this is a nightmare. I'm frightened to sleep, but it finds me anyway. The last of my thoughts drift to Jenna's warm eyes and kind smile. Alright guys, that was the end of part two of My Family is Falling Apart. We'll be listening to part three next week and I'll probably go ahead and start releasing them um, every Tuesday morning. So be ready and I'll have it ready next week. Have a great day.